0: Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from
1: global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 28.
0: We know that 60% of the cost that's associated with trade services comes in compliance checking. If you're passing all of your transactional information through that system, you are gaining the the pattern advantage that you would get.
1: I'm Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Today's podcast is all around policy in an era of digital trade and definitely an exciting topic to be talking about We're here with Ian McLennan, who's the Head of Trade and Supply Chain Finance at Finastra. Trade Finance Global are partnering with the World Trade Symposium this year, which is actually going to be held in New York on the 6th and 7th of November. Ian, thank you very much for joining us today on Trade Finance Talks. Great to have you on board. So Ian, your recent article, Policy in an Area of Digital Trade, What are the key trends in this area and what are the implications of geopolitics to global trade right now?
0: Thanks, Deepesh. I think with the article on the policy and era of digital trade, we started to focus in on the how can legislation keep track with... uh, Digital technology innovation, is incredibly hard for regulators to do that. And there was three key trends that uh, we drew out within that. One was actually legislation being pushed into the financial services organisations around about know your customer and uh, money laundering. And just the cost and the, the way that that can restrict business. We also see quite interesting the restriction in cross border data flows, which is interesting when you when you look at it from a perspective of the macro organizations, you know, the World Economic Forum and World Trade Organization talking about how to move data and then on a local level seeing restrictions on those data flows. And then finally, unsurprisingly, tariffs and protectionism. And how does that impact the economy as a whole and the flow of trade across the world? I think what's interesting on that last one is, it's, is that people really focus on the inhibiting factor of that activity, but there was also a, a sort of secondary part for me, which is sometimes that protectionism can drive efficiencies within the system around about back office processing, the use of technology, and how can we get the business cases to move forward from an innovation and a fintech perspective. That's really interesting, Ian, and, and actually I was at the uh, WTA public forum
1: in Geneva just a couple of weeks ago, and those were the exact issues that were that were being raised. And actually very, very interesting that you mentioned the data part of moving goods. It's it's not just the, the goods that are traded when it comes cross-border. So I guess let's talk a bit more about the regulation side, and I would like to come back to the technology and, and I guess those back-office processes a little bit later on. So. What are the unintended consequences that you see from a Finastra perspective on items such as Basel III, CRD IV, on the provision of trade finance, particularly
0: to SMEs in the mid-market? It's a really good question. and You've got the Capital Requirements Directive, which is obviously the implementation of Basel III within the EU. And BAL3, it was done for the right reasons in regards to looking at minimum capital requirement, leverage ratios, liquidity requirements that all needed to put in place after the financial crisis. And so I think it's one of those things when you put a control in place, as you allude to there, there are unintended consequences. But actually, what you can see then is the capital adequacy rules, the willingness then to create additional funding for SMEs actually and mid markets and being able to to fund the needs of those businesses has become problematic. We know that there's a a $1.6 trillion SME gap that needs to be addressed. So if you've got a higher capital adequacy requirement, you're less likely to be able to fund additional business if you don't then use technology to address those pain points. So if you're holding things on your balance sheet, you're limited in what you can fund. So you have to be able to move those assets off your balance sheet through using trade distribution and being able to push that. And if you talk to some people in uh, some organizations, they say they have a very, very complex Excel spreadsheet to deal with it. And what we're seeing now is the further development of those distribution technologies so you can take the asset and you can move them into the, into the market with other investors. And no doubt, ultimately, we'll see securitization of those assets as we move forward. Yeah, very interesting, and I think that element of sophistication and and
1: bringing trade finance from perhaps an institutional level or, or pension funds down into this space for banks to play is absolutely crucial for trade finance. And I the think it, the, the
0: second part of that is is that additional flow. It's the other step that when we didn't have that capital adequacy requirement or you know the impact of that unintended cause, consequence of bowel three, you then didn't have that incentive. It was really done on spreadsheets in the organisations I've been in. And being able to push that in a much more systemic way mm-hmm. and being able to have a marketplace around about that will be uh, It'll be interesting to watch that space develop. Interesting. So let's go into some of the details on the pain points because
1: obviously, clearly those Excel spreadsheets are a pain point for some running the back office systems, but actually those, those rules and regulations are forcing and driving those change. Can you go into a bit more detail on perhaps how technology can help drive down the cost of running these big back office functions or perhaps be compliant?
0: Well, if you look in a a commercial banking sense, there's traditionally two operational functions that I would describe as as being more manually intensive just now. So those would be commercial lending and trade services. And if you look at those, we know that 60% of the cost that's associated with trade services comes in compliance checking. So there's the, the first part of the chain that we, we look at. And there's a number of fintechs that we work with that will allow you to do that compliance checking, leveraging artificial intelligence and machine learning around about what, what you're looking from a pattern perspective. Do it markedly quicker and more accurately than we've ever done it before from a human perspective. And being able to take, I was talking with with a fintech today, to do a series of a quarter of a million algorithm checks takes 55 seconds. Being able to check the overall document and run the document takes four minutes. And so when you look at what you're doing there, I think what we see in trade is a digital ecosystem play that we will see a collection of fintechs working with Finastra on our end-to-end, flows that will markedly change the trade services area, whether it's like we talked about artificial intelligence, machine learning, entity relationship checking, document preparation, provenance checking. There's a whole series of really exciting companies out there, multiple companies, some regional specializations that will markedly transform trade services for the commercial banks. I completely
1: understand the use cases for AI and machine learning within the commercial lending space and perhaps there's a there's a bigger pool, so to speak, of businesses who might be eligible for generic bank finance, but obviously trade finance being as niche and specialist as it is and also very different market to market. Is there enough data and deal flows at, I guess, both the primary space when it comes to finance lending, but also at the the secondary distribution space to actually leverage and use some of these technologies?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, at Cybos, which we were both at this year, the amount of providers that are really focusing in that space around about compliance and AI and, and machine learning is incredible. I think it was probably the... The highest uh, hit rate in regards to fintechs that I saw. In particular, I met with three of them. The data is not an issue. And I think you see an awful lot of benefit coming out of providers that have previously worked in the payment space. But seeing data around about, well, if you look at it, the trade businesses, pick a number, $16 trillion each year. And the flow within that and the LC side being 10% to 15% of that is is a significant amount of data. And when you look at it from a learning perspective, if you're passing all of your transactional information through that system, you are gaining the the pattern advantage that you would get from AI and, and ML. It's an incredible opportunity to look at that 60% of cost that sits within trade services. But are banks willing to... Because the key to this
1: is actually being able to share that data in a way such that banks can collaborate to reduce some of the threats around things like dual-use goods and counter-terrorist financing. Are they happy to share that data and collaborate? So if we
0: talk about the the services that are there just now, they are very interested in using the services. I think you bring out an interesting point in regards to that much more collaborative aspect. I think that is something that needs to be worked on and be able to leverage that transactional flow. But if you look at the networks that you see happening just now, you see much more collaboration across the 15 to 20 banks that want to operate in a network. You also, you talk about dual use and things. like that. So I think what we're getting to is a point that Two or three years ago, people wouldn't have looked at cloud. We're now at the point of people are talking about using additional fintech capabilities, data capabilities, underlying technology to drive effectiveness and efficiency within the trade space. We've talked
1: about cloud. We've talked about, I guess, that interoperability and standardization what do you think's next? What do you think we should be uh, most excited about perhaps in the next 12 to 18 months in terms of technological advances within trade and trade finance? I
0: think for me, it's, I think the building blocks are there. For me, it's the end to end flow. It's, um, it is bringing that digital ecosystem together with a series offerings on a flow. I think there's the bit around about where our network's going. So there's a whole series of networks. I'm not going to mention any names, but there's a whole series. And there's, a, there's only a growing number of those every time you look, whether it's in Australasia, Southeast Asia, or other places. I think there's a question there about interoperability and adoption. So it's the flows that's going through there. We're seeing lots of interesting discussions around about how particular banks want to use those networks, which is actually playing out how we thought it would from a strategy perspective. So for me, it is the bringing the blocks together, whether it's compliance with AI and ML, whether it's a whole series of other fintechs, and getting that efficiency play across the end-to-end flow. And then it's the interoperability and the adoption within the networks within that broader ecosystem. So I think we're at the point the blocks are in place. It's how we align those and pull those together for that broader customer and fi benefit that we would see across the world yeah
1: completely agree and i think those building blocks need to be created by I guess, bringing together those key constituents, whether it be the banks, whether it be the FIs, the, the, the tech companies, the compliance, and even the regulators. And actually, I guess that's a, that's a good segue into discussing the World Trade Symposium, which Trade Finance Global are media partners of, just around the corner at the start of November. Ian, Ian you'll be there. What are you most excited about at the World Trade Symposium this
0: year? This will be my second uh, World Trade Symposium. I was in London last year. I think for me, the, the big thing is, is almost the the the, um, the dual aspect that you see. The first day is the very macro type topics that we deal with. And on the second day, it's much more into the detail around about, you know, where is technology going? What are the other key focus areas that you've got there? So I think it's also that viewpoint that you have, which is market practitioners, policymakers, diplomats, fintechs, and, and other people that are involved in the industry, it is getting that broad brush view and counter view in regards to where people think they're the the, the um the the world is going. It can be really interesting this year. We had a very sort of Europe centric focus last year in regards to London unsurprisingly with global banks there. And now to be in the US, I think that is a micro perspective, but also to get a very Northern Latin South American view as well as the other participants from there will be excellent. Given the change that we've seen in North America over the last eighteen months or so, it's a very
1: interesting location and really excited I'm really to be looking there, so.
0: forward to meet um, some regional yeah, US banks that we've got lined up to talk to in regards to get views in and their outlook on the world around about sort of north south trade from our uh, sort of canadian canada to US but then also from latin and south america up into up into the US as well just to get their perspective around about it. it's not something that we hear a, a great deal of uh just now. And also then their perspective on that 18 months, Deepesh, of uh, what's happened in the US and what are they seeing from uh, outcomes of policy. Well, look, Ian, thank you very much for
1: joining us today on Trade Finance Talks. And we will catch you in New York in just a couple of weeks' time. Looking forward to it, Deepesh. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.